The lads are officially back after a summer break, and on this week's episode of the XI Network podcast, we're talking about the brand new Premier League season, and just how likely it's going to be another two-horse race between Liverpool and Manchester City. But that's not all, so stay tuned for much, much more coming right up on the XI Network podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Starting Eleven podcast, or should we say XI Network podcast? What yeah, are we I think we can call it, call it the XI Network podcast. The XI now. Network podcast. It's a bit of a strange name. I like Starting Eleven, but hey, we're not in charge of how the world works or our destinies. We're just all drifting meaninglessly into space on a rock. But let's talk some football. Joining me today after a long hiatus, I mean, we've all been away, but joining us on this podcast is Justin Barrow. I am back. I was in Portugal for three long weeks, guys. I am brown. I am ready to go. And uh, let's do it. As a brown person, I'd like to say he's not brown. He's just very, very sunburned. <laughs> sun, sun-kissed, I think, was the term that you used. <laughs> That's the polite way of saying that you're S- you need SPF 1000. <laughs> yeah. And true. we have Peter Robinson. Speaking of SPF 1000... Uh, that's my everyday uh, everyday lotion, SPF 1000. Mm, mm. I am pale. If nobody's ever seen me before, uh, I am pale. I have bed sheets with more color than it, you. I was going to say, <laughs> if, so. if you could see the Discord chat right now, the, the contrast between my skin and Peter's skin is just like night and day. <laughs> mm. And I've got this weird gamer blue light set up on me right now, and I still look more tan than the two of them combined. <laughs> Yeah, see, I think I think that's what I need. I need a little bit of light to kind of fake a tan. Mm. You know, maybe I should get a spray tan. Oh, you don't. should. Don't do it. Just <laughs> don't. Guys, I'm gonna go get a spray, spray. tan. Okay, listen, I, look, the spray tans are a whole <laughs> other podcast, and I don't want to do that right now. So. Um, and I'm your host, Chengiz Khan. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. We're so sorry we've been away. Uh, we've been enjoying our summer. We've been developing connections in the Canadian Premier League. We've been doing a lot of stuff not related to the podcast. And whilst we were away, we've had a little bit of time to think about how we want to structure the podcast, how we want to move forward. And, uh, well, we're splitting the three shows. We've got Premier League, we've got MLS, we've got Canadian Premier League. Because we think we can hit all three at the same time which means more content for you guys yeah i mean uh it also means we have a lot of work to do boys (laughs) (laughs) yes thankfully justin knows how to edit now somewhat yay somebody knows how only took only took me only took me 28 weeks of doing this to finally figure it out you know what it's all good it's a learning curve all right, so now that we have the banter reestablished, let's get serious, shall we? Let's talk about the Premier League. New so season. happy that it's back. It's new season, same old Manchester City drawing with Tottenham <laughs> and then getting a win <laughs> taken off because of VAR. <laughs> I, I always say the 19th name on our, our team sheet is always VAR. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and it's homegrown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so as of right now, we have Liverpool and Arsenal at the top of the table with six points each, both coming away with two shaky wins, I'd say, lads. Yeah, uh, yeah. the Liverpool win for sure was uh, was very shaky compared to their first match against Norwich. 
Mm. Then we have Manchester City, who steamrolled for the first game, uh, and then they drew for the second game against Tottenham. So they're in third with four points, tied with Manchester United with four points, Brighton, Tottenham, Bournemouth, yada, yada, yada. So not much really to say in terms of like the positioning of the table. It's still very, very early seasons. But I will say, though, as a Liverpool fan, traditionally at the, at the start of every season, I've always been like, okay, it's whatever. People are just getting back into fitness. People are just sort of figuring each other out. You know, there's nothing to really take seriously. But when we had that freak goal scored against us, you know, with Adrian miskicking the the clearance, going straight to Danny Ings and rebounding into the net, I was sweating harder than I was in the Champions League final because the margin between Liverpool and Manchester City last season was one point. Errors like this can actually cost you the title now. It's weird. Uh, I'd just like to say uh, thank you, or actually, you're welcome. You should be saying thank you to Spurs and VAR uh, because we just <laughs> uh, evil, made yes. up those points for you. So you're welcome. I mean, we weren't like ever in threat of drawing, but it, for like two minutes after the goal, there was some shaky nerves. There was a ball fizzed across the 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 six yard box, which Danny Ings did not connect. At all with so thankfully the gore this the score stayed at two one. But just when you've got these two titans going up against each other, and I think that they're going to be the titans, they're going to be the teams to beat. It seems like it's it's like day one pressures on, no relaxation. I was going to say yeah, it's uh, I think it's going to be another City Liverpool marathon for sure this season, and uh, I think if anything that last season taught us, it's that it's going to be a, a game of millimeters, not even necessary inches. Uh, and I think that what that means is, like you said, Chengi, is that you're not, these teams cannot afford to give up even a point, especially against teams like Southampton, uh, where they should go in and comfortably win. Um, thank God for Sadio Mane, because he has been on fire. Mm. And, uh, I mean, really three has. goals in his last uh, two competitive fixtures, uh, when the Super mm. Cup and um, then the game against Southampton. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that it's going to be uh, definitely a, a marathon between those two teams, and I think that's going to be sort of the the real interesting aspect of the season to watch. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't think that either of these teams can afford to be giving up any points. Um, and so I'm really curious to see how uh, the season's going to go over the next couple of weeks. But, you know, Tottenham are in the mix as well. They have strengthened, finally. They've got some very good signings in there. Um, despite Ericsson kind of having his foot out the door, they seem to be still cohesive. They still seem to be playing good football. They're a good side. Um, so from your perspective, Peter, as a Spurs fan, um, the game against City, was that two points lost or uh, one point gained? Uh, I got to say one point gained. Um, really? Yeah, I think City at home is always going to be a tough test. Um, yeah. So going to the Eddie Haddon and having to play is always going to be a, t- a tough test. So it, it was it was a case of we came back, uh, you know, tied the match. Um, and realistically, uh, we could have lost the match if it wasn't for our super sub. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about Lucas Mora, not VAR. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, think about it. He, he brings on Lucas Mora and... First touch of the ball. First yeah, the, the first, first, first kick of the ball in that corner kick. Was a header. A header, Lucas exactly. Moura won a header. And it was a beautiful Manchester. header, too. He placed it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, of anything he could have done, it was a header. You know, we're used to seeing Lucas Moura um, sort of being a fox-in-the-box type uh, striker, just getting onto the end of something and, and slotting it in the goal. Um, but no, this he showed a little bit of versatility. And, um, you know, when there's not that many header goals 
off corners scored in the Premier League. Uh, for Lucas Mora, who's a significantly smaller player, um, to score one, hey, it, I'll take it. It's pretty good. I'll, I'll take That's any good. goals at this point against City. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's heartening to me that well, obviously because you took two points off City, but um, <laughs> it it does give me hope that perhaps this won't be just a two two horse race. Now I'm. You know, I'm always going to be biased. I'm always going to want Liverpool to, to kind of run away with the title with ease, but I know that's not the case. And we know that the Premier League can be really, really competitive. And another team that actually looks decently good right now is Manchester United. Hey, he said it! <laughs> and you no, know, I mean, as a, as a football journalist slash man on the internet with a microphone in front of his face, therefore he has an opinion uh, person, um, they've, got, they've got four points from two games. That's not bad. And the, the results were, I wouldn't say like overly convincing, but they were miles better than what they were at the end of the year. Like the performances were miles better than the, what, what they were at the end of last year. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, the, the game against Chelsea was, was obviously very convincing and uh, the, the team looked fresh. They looked loose. Um, I thought uh, Juan Bieksa looked phenomenal. He was everywhere. Um, Juan Bissaka. It continues. The, yeah. We came back from the break, and he still yeah. can't pronounce names. That's great. Hey, can <laughs> you say you're, can you're you thinking. say uh, Spurs' record signing this summer? Uh, don't even make me, please. Tongay <laughs> Ndombele. <laughs> For your, anyway, thinking about Kevin Bieksa. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay, I'm mixing up mixing up hockey and soccer here. Okay, give me a break, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> throw Aaron me off my Juan groove. Bissaka. Repeat after me. Bissaka. Aaron Juan 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 Bissaka. It's literally Bissaka. like phonetic. I know. B-I-S-S-A-K-A. <laughs> like there's nothing complicated there. Anyways. Oh my god. Okay, but uh, United, no, they looked great against Chelsea. Uh, I mean, Chelsea. Now, now, one of the questions I, I, I was kind of thinking about when I was watching that game was, were United that good or was Chelsea bad? And I, I really, mm. I had a hard time during the game watching because I, at times, it felt like United were just that good. But then after, but then after watching um, like the highlights again and going back to the game uh, on Dazone, uh, Dazone is that Dazen? Dazone. I was corrected Dazen. earlier today. <laughs> Dazen. Dazen. Um, I I, I kind of started to wonder if, if maybe just Chelsea did not have a great game, and so I I mean it's it's early um, it's an early start, and uh, the the game against Wolves. I mean United have struggled against Wolves the last couple of seasons. Um, Wolves are very good at home though. They're a great yeah, Wolves team. Wolves are quality side. The I Wolves think are they get overlooked the Wol- a lot. Wolves are a great team, and they are they are um, underappreciated, overlooked. Like you said, Peter, um, teams look at them as uh, I feel like they kind of look at them like a, a walkover team, and, and and games that they're just going to walk in and win. Especially like the top four sides, top six sides, and I don't think that's the case. And um, when we talk later on about our our top our pr- prospective top sixes, I think you're going to be surprised when you see where I place the where I place Wolves. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like United. Um, do look good this year. I think that they're going to have a much better season than they did uh, last year, and I, I think that we're going to see um, some some serious quality come out of this team. And I think this is the year where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to have a chance to show what he is made of with his team. So, what's the what's realistically the target for uh, for United? Because I think they're maybe a couple of years away from silverware, um, both in terms of personnel, in terms of the, the squad that you do have, and uh, sort of the the manager and his experience in the Premier League and all the rest of that. So, what top four? I think realistically, Europa? you're looking to get back into the Champions League. I think top four. 
Um, and I, I think that you have to look to win the Europa League this year. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that that's going to be, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to go in and win it all. Uh, I think yeah. that they have a good chance of doing that. Um, but I, I, I'm really curious to see how they do. But I think that in regards to the table, uh, I think that the the realistic um, expectation of the team is to at least finish top four. You need to get back into the Champions League. Uh, a team as big as United with the amount of firepower and the amount of money that they have, the, the, this team has to be in Champions League. And I think mm-hmm. that if they, um, they fall outside of that this season, uh, I think that you may see some um, bigger changes coming to the team. That's my Fair that's enough. my guess. What do you think, Peter? Uh, I think he's right about having those expectations of of Manchester United and having lofty expectations. But I mean, it's getting to a point now where the top six is very crowded. Uh, you've got City, Liverpool, Spurs. Say as your top three, um, and then you've got you know six to seven teams. Um, sorry, uh, the I yeah five to six teams that could be. Um, filling out that the rest of the top six so the top six is very crowded European spots are hard to come by um, it, it's going to take a a very stout season by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United to stay in that top six or even crack the top four um, yeah. I, I realistically think that Chelsea is going to drop out um, I think they're going to be out of the top six for the first time um, yeah, time. that's actually. Thank you for bringing that up. I was going to segue into that. Um, I'm I'm in agreement that 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 United definitely need to view this as a, you know, give all a time kind of year, like just like we did with Klopp, just like Spurs did with Pochettino. Well, to they do, have to, to, they have to do the opposite of Moyes. They have to do the opposite of Moyes. They have to do the opposite of Louis van Gaal. They have to do the opposite of exactly what they've been doing so far. Because what they've done so far is they've been trying to keep up with Usain Bolt. Where with the second string, you know, the, the second best runner with the shoelaces tied up. It, they've <laughs> just been falling over themselves the, the entire time getting to the 100 meter line. And as a result, they are, you know, 40, 50, maybe even 50 points behind Liverpool and City. So it's, it's okay, maybe not that much. So that's, that's a bit of an exaggeration. 30 points at least, you know? Yeah. So to, to close that gap to the top, you have to look at it as, as a points thing more than anything else. It might be a freak season where, you know, the champions get 70 points and then everyone else has got 50, 60, and then everyone's really bunched up at, at the top. It could be a very, it could be a repeat of last season where Liverpool and City run away and then everybody is like 20 points behind. United needs to close that gap to the top two, I'd say. And I think if they can mix it up with the Tottenham's and the Chelsea's and the Arsenal's, who look very good also, um, then... I think they'll have a good season. But let's go back to Chelsea. Let's talk about Chelsea real quickly. Um, against that United game, I didn't think they played that bad. I thought they had good ideas. They had good vision tactics. Um, Frank has definitely set them up in a way that's making them play more exciting, energetic football, similar to what we've seen at Derby. But his inexperience, his inexperience is showing through a little bit. I think he's perhaps not adequately prepared for the challenge the Premier League ha- basically is giving him. Um, but there are signs. There are promising signs that every Chelsea supporter that I've seen on the net seems to be like, give him time. Whether or not he'll get that time is a whole other story because we know how trigger-happy Abramovich likes to be. But it seems like, you know, it, it feels... The, the more interesting thing about Chelsea Football Club right now is that for the first time, they feel like a real football club. And I feel a lot 
has to do with their transfer ban in that they've started promoting youth like Mason Mount. Uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi is now a serious contender for starter. And Frank Lampard, super Frank. Tammy Abraham too. Tammy Abraham too. A youthful, energetic Premier League team that is being helmed by a club legend. And I think that's the kind of the way to do it. That's been the blueprint for a lot of teams uh, and their success is they bring back someone who has history with the squad and someone who, um, you know, has won silverware and sort of has the culture ingrained in them that the football club wants to be all about. Um, they're, they're kind of going away. And like you said, I think this is sort of a blessing in disguise that they had this transfer ban because now mm. they're actually going to get to see, A, what they bought, uh, B, their youth products and how they're actually going to uh, pan out. So they had their whole, uh, what was it, the loanee army? Isn't that the Chelsea thing? Is Sure. Got more, the, whatever more whatever the two-word chants are. Right? So. Oh, right. The two, to the, <laughs> the, <laughs> yep, yep. The, the, the third, fourth, and fifth 11 all at Vitesse. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they'll, they'll actually get to see those players play yeah. and they'll get to see their investment as opposed mm-hmm. to just sort of fielding a uh you know first division belgian team or whatever they were doing in Vitesse. justin suppose that you know super frank has manages to get into the europa league spot with chelsea using just youth do you think he'll be able to go to abramovich and say first of all give me another year and second of all don't buy players. Let me develop these guys. Could there could this be the start of a big turnaround for Chelsea and and the way they run and operate and play football? I definitely think that it could be. Um, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit hesitant about the whole Frank Lampard thing because I, I I do agree with what Peter was saying that this is sort of the blueprint that teams are taking on now, bringing in a club legend who's won silverware, who kind of knows the the culture of the club and and build them up. Um, but I mean, I don't think he's really had enough time to prove himself as a manager. I mean, he went to Derby. He was there for what a year, I think. Uh, you know, he did well with Derby. But I mean, mm. you know, we're talking about a, a championship side here. Um, and to go from that to a, a mega club like Chelsea, uh, where the pressure is immensely higher, um, you know, there's so much more at stake. I mean, look, he lost four, uh, he lost that game to United and the amount of, you know, just sort of trash that was being thrown at him and he was, he was already sort of being attacked. So I, I'm, point I'm trying to make there is that I, I do, I do, I'm a little bit hesitant about this whole Frank Lampard thing, but, uh, I do think that if he is able to, to, to use these youth players, the players like Tammy Abraham, Hudson Odoi, um, and sort of um, bring Chelsea to uh, a, a Europa spot and 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 play well this season and and bring out good results. Um, I, I do think that he has the merit to go to. Um, uh, Abramovich and say, you know, give me another year. Let me show you what I got. And and yeah, let's not let's not make any panic buys and bring in, you know, let's not go in and splash all this money on these, you know, these sort of older quality players like let's let me let me develop these guys and show you that i can actually create a team that is sustainable you know and i think that's the thing that chelsea needs is that they've they've had great success over the last couple of years where they've brought in these big players they've been able to to go on win the league and then the next year they fall off and you know they become like a uh, fifth place side and I feel like that's right. the issue this, their their format and their their sort of idea right now is not it's not sustainable and so I feel like if Lampard is able to actually get 
in there and develop these young players and start to create uh, a young youthful team that can that can last over you know a couple of seasons kind of like what City's been able to do uh, except City's was different City was able to just splash as much money as they could and, and just bring in young top quality players but uh, i i'm really i really do think that uh lampard would have the merit to go and get that extra season and 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 be given the chance to develop uh, a sustainable team i mean let's put it this way lampard kind of came into a squad in in derby county that was already a good squad Um, he had mason mount on loan there so Mm. he already had that he had harry Harry wilson scoring 28 goals for Exactly. Without, so without really having any right to score 28 goals. <laughs> he was coming into a squad that was already very good. Um, and sure. just like this year, he's coming into a squad without any changes that finished third last season. Yeah, but they lost two massive players this, well, they, this summer. Yeah, they lost I mean, Hazard they lost, and they lost David Luiz. Well, David Luiz is still... Jury's out on him being a, a massive player for, for as Chelsea. a no, but from from a dressing room perspective, losing Luis was huge. I, I could see that, but I think losing Hazard was actually uh, it could be actually be beneficial for Chelsea because probably the whole time yeah. was he wanted to leave. He wanted to leave. His his head wasn't in it. He wanted to I go. Just, he didn't want to play for Chelsea. I wonder how much uh, of the departures of well, I know Hazard was probably on the books for a good year, year and a half to Real Madrid. That was a long engineered move. But with David Luis moving, I mean, I wonder how much of it was Frank saying, Listen, I want to promote youth, and how much of it was him sort of getting the backing of Abramovich to say, Listen, I need to end this culture of player power. I don't want that to happen again. I don't want I don't want to be another Maurizio Sari. Yeah. And and, and I think that's part of it is sure. Frank wanted to come in and say, okay, this is my vision for how we're going to run this squad. Um, but yeah. also with, with Hazard and Louise leaving, you kind of have to dip into the, the youth pool. You know, you're, you're forced yeah. to because you can't buy anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's, uh, let's, let's move it on, shall we? Justin, yes. what do you do this holiday? <laughs> well, that threw me into left field here. So I uh, I went to Portugal. I was there for uh, 22 days. And uh, I went to a Liga Noche match, which was pretty cool. I mm. uh, saw Santa Clara play. Uh, they lost 2-0. It was um, a horrible display of football. Uh, and it definitely made me appreciate uh, not only the Premier League, uh, but it also made me appreciate the MLS because I was uh, I was wow. a little bit really? shocked. Really? Liga Noche is worse? Was it worse than MLS? <sighs> I it's hard because the thing with Liga Noche is that um, there are three teams. Um, there are three teams that have any quality. You have Benfica, you have Porto, you have Sporting. Um, mm. Other than that, the rest of them are a country mile away. And so I went to go watch Santa Clara, which is a very small team located in the Azores in Ponta Delgada, uh, and they played a team that had just come up from League One. Um, they were just promoted. Uh, I can't even pronounce their name. Fumilicao. Um, and Fluminense. Maybe no, that's, that's the it. Brazilian one. Yeah. Fum- Never mind. Fum- it's anyways, I can't say it. I apologize to all my, any Portuguese listeners out there. I apologize. Um, but, uh, yeah. And the, just the quality okay, of, just laughing at you. I mean, there was maybe a hundred people in the stadium. Um, so really? no atmosphere. That's a pretty uh, good turnout. 
it was it was interesting <laughs> to watch, especially like you know going to BMO Field and seeing you know twenty five thousand people going to watch TFC play. Uh, and then, yeah, but yeah. that's okay. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. no, I'm I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Twenty five thousand at BMO Field. That's just they're only there because the Leafs aren't playing. I know, but I'm just saying, like to sit in a stadium with only a hundred people, it it felt like I was watching uh, like a little league match. If you know what I mean, it, right. it was hard for me right. to sort of picture this as this is the top flight of football in Portugal. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, so yeah, you know no, that was that. sort of interesting, and and because of the teams that they were playing, just the quality was not very good, uh, and Santa mm. Clara looked uh, absolutely horrible. But um, so that's what I did for my holiday. Uh, but I am still wearing a Santa Clara jersey right now. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm just on my bucket list now, Peter. Uh, very my important my question. next holiday is actually. No, whoa, 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 whoa. I, no, oh, I have a very man. important question. I don't care about your holiday. <laughs> I, I have a very important question to you because we're, we're on we're on the topic of our summer break right now. So, Peter, um, have you stopped crying from losing the Champions League? Uh, <laughs> I mean. Yes, <laughs> it's okay. it's kind of been like it's been hard. It's been hard. Yeah, as it especially um, since uh, I was watching it with you. Mm, um, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know how you if you noticed, but Justin and I left that restaurant very quickly. <laughs> um, after the sure match. Yes, I, <laughs> we didn't want to be did, around all the other uh, Liverpool supporters, uh, so we left pretty quickly. I understand my commiserations to you. I know what it's like to be on the losing side for a few years in a row now. So forgive me for being unbearable. (laughs) No, um, it was a good summer. It was a bit nerve-wracking seeing the AFCON, actually. I was just praying nobody got overly injured. And of course, Navigator got injured. So because the the Ghanaian um, coach is, uh, how you say, an asshole. Um, <laughs> played him, played him whilst he was injured. Well, he had a rolled ankle. and said, "No, no, he's fine. He'll go." And then within 15 minutes, he was on a stretcher. So, yeah, that was my uh, summer, kind of tense. Not in Portugal, definitely not in my own tears, but still. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing uh, in our summer so far, other than obviously your Champions League victory, um, <laughs> would be uh, six times. Six times. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, the creation of the CPL, the kickoff of the CPL, which we'll talk about in another pod. Honestly, yes. if, if you haven't been out to a CPL match yet, you have to go to the CPL. It and is it's dirt cheap too to, to attend. It's dirt cheap. You can get great seats. Um, you know, there, there's teams basically all over the country. Um, and it, it's great football. If you watch any yeah. of the Canadian, uh, Canadian championship, you saw them play against Toronto FC and Montreal Impact. Um, and you also got to see, uh, well, not against Toronto FC. That was uh, the team we don't speak about. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. But yeah, you got to not, see the, yeah. the type of talent that is in Canada. And I think it's just going to be really good for uh, for the Canadian national team. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a league that's in its infancy. So there, are, yeah. it, it is a bit rough around the edges, but it, it will go from strength to strength to strength. There are some very smart people running the show. We've met a few of them, and I think we can both say that we, I mean, they, they know what they're doing. You know, just it just will take time because it is a brand new sports league. But do go out, watch the uh, Canadian Premier League, support York 9 FC, support local football, um, and support local football podcasts. 
support us, support Nine Stripes, support fucking everybody. <laughs> you know, the more we get the we, the more we get the Canadian Premier League in and around people's ears and minds and hearts and wallets. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the, the, the better part. league does. Yeah, that's the important part. The the better league does, and the better the football comes up, and hopefully we'll get to see Canada win gold at the Olympics or otherwise one day. Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, that's enough of the uh, small break there from the football. Let's go back to the football and let's go straight from zero to a hundred and talk about something very dark that happened to uh, a certain Paul Pogba. Uh, on Twitter after the Wolves game. Justin, take us away on that situation. So um, during the Wolves uh, United match, Pogba was taken down, was given a penalty, um, misses the penalty. It's stopped uh, by Rui Patricio. Uh, it was an interesting run-up for Pogba. He didn't do his slow run. He decided just to go straight at it, which I was okay with. Uh, it was a great save. You know, nothing to, nothing to really um, be upset about. Uh, and basically um, a bunch of pathetic human beings decided to just racially abuse and attack Pogba all over Twitter. Um, and it became a really, really big thing. Uh, a bunch of United players basically reached out uh, in defense of Pogba, but they, they reached out to Twitter and uh, it was actually just announced today that United and Twitter um, were actually going to sit down and, and have a meeting uh, about how to um, handle um, the, the racism within the Premier League and within football in general on Twitter, uh, which I think is a great step by United to not only just sort of release a statement and, and you know, denounce these, um, like these dis- this disgusting behavior, but for United to actually take the step to go and meet with the company on the platform that this is happening on to sort of discuss a, a plan of attack to to deal with it. I think that's a, that's a great sign. And, um, you know, as United fan, it, it makes me sad to see. And uh, I support Paul Pogba, you know, 100%. Um, and I, I don't want to see any of that stuff happening to any player. Uh, you know, this is um, this is a sport that all of us love and all of us um, support. And, uh, you know, we don't want to see that kind of, you know, trash behavior being brought into the game that we love. So, um, you know, good good on Pogba for keeping his head up and on the United players for coming to his defense. And uh, hopefully Twitter can find a way to sort of stamp this uh, this garbage out. It, it's it's sad to say, but I mean, this is not the first time Pogba has received any sort of racist abuse. I mean, he did play in Italy for Juventus, yeah. and uh, they do have, uh, let's say, less than a stellar track record with regards to any Af- players of African origin uh, or any black players generally uh, in that country. Um, but also Tammy Abraham, same situation, Chelsea and Leicester. Uh, he also got a bunch of racist abuse over the weekend. Everybody coming out in support of him, um, people calling to the FA to do something, interviewing Chelsea, will should do something about it as well, probably banning the people for life if it was from their own supporters or if it was from other parties, we're not quite sure. Uh, Met Police will probably be involved in some capacity. We know the drill, like people are going to have an outrage, people are going to follow up, people are going to investigate and then it'll fizzle out for a couple of months and then somebody's going to do something stupid again and then here we are again, the cycle continues. As someone who does, you know, like still suffers from racist abuse um, as a Pakistani, someone from Pakistani origin, I just like the the thing with Man United on Twitter, it's a good step for sure. And it's, it's a step beyond what's been done so far by anybody else. You know, banning people from life from the stadium, okay, it bans those people, but it doesn't root it out. And there has been like a lot of, talk recently not just from us and people in football 
community, but from politicians and whatnot to have the social media companies liable, hold them accountable for being facilitators and for, for enabling these people to have this sort of conversation. But for me, the problem, if, censorship or not, you know, whatever you want to call it, getting rid of it on one place will only make sure that it'll be seen on another place. The, the racism doesn't stop, it just moves. So, you know, these calls for the FA to get involved in everything, I feel like it's more symbolic because the same outcome, the same method is going to be introduced in that they'll launch an investigation, they'll find the people responsible, they'll probably ban them, but then there'll be another jackass. I feel like there's a bigger discussion to be had about this that concerns society as a whole. But does football have the potential to lead that conversation? I think it has to. If if it's not sport, if it's not um, if it's not public figures that are going to lead the conversation, because like let's let's be serious, the the people who are doing this sort of have had this ingrained in them um, from you know parental figures or you know family units and things like that or lack thereof. Um, also lack of understanding of other culture as well. Um, seeing people as different to them is threatening. Um, and instead of being a, a grown-ass person and just supporting people in their darkest times, instead we choose to pick away at things that we find as deficiencies as opposed to just accepting everyone for who they are. Um, you know, as Justin, I'm sure you can attest to this, as uh you know, white people, we we don't we don't experience this, you know, or at least uh, I haven't personally in my life. I've never experienced anything like this. I've never experienced anyone calling me out um, and sort of ripping me apart for the color of my skin. And I see this happen, and it's hard for me to understand because I've never gone through it. Um, that's why I, th I think it's good that we have Chengiz who's able to kind of give a personal uh, feedback on it. But I think th these need to be seen as hate crimes. These need to be seen as, you know, hate speech. Um, it, it's, it's not enough to ban someone from going to a match. It's not enough to ban someone from, uh, you know, from, from a social media platform and just saying you can never make a social media account because all they're going to do is change their name, change their email address. They're going to change their profile picture. They're going to do something and they're going to pop up somewhere else because there's these little, these little cells of racists and little cells of, of people who just are cockroaches. That's all they really are. They're just cockroaches. Um, it's a yeah. it's a systemic issue in our society, and that's that's it what is. needs to change the most. Is that, you know, it's and 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 what we can do on our end, Peter, like Peter, like you and I, uh, is just be supportive and and just you know when people um, like Chengage, you know, express their frustrations and and explain the the situations that they go through. All we can do is is support, is listen, and be supportive, and and try our best to. Um, you know, to do what we can to help raise awareness. And I, I think one of the great organizations that's really, um, you know, been ingrained in football to help with this is like Kick It Out, um, which, yeah. you know, works. Um, I'm trying to think of the team that it was. Uh, don't quote me, but I think it was the the Chelsea under 18s. They were in Spain playing a friendly last week um, and uh, they were subjected to 
horrific racial abuse, uh, and the entire team chose to walk off the pitch uh, and and just abandon the game because of the the abuse. And uh, they had met with Kick It Out beforehand to discuss sort of, they said this could happen where they were going and that it was uh, a possibility. And if it did, this was going to sort of be the plan of attack. It was going to be tell the manager, tell the referee, and if it continued, then to, as a team to get together and walk off the pitch. Um, and so I, I feel like, you know, there's organizations like that that are trying their best to um, to help sort of draw awareness to it. Um, but I, I think that it's it's a societal issue and it's it's not and I agree with you banning people on on social media platforms and it's not enough there needs to be a, a much more severe consequence and one of the things that frustrates me the most is when people um, use the guise of freedom of speech to defend their racist their racist comments or racist viewpoints the thing is that yes freedom of speech you have the freedom to say whatever you want but what you say does not come without consequence freedom of speech mm -hmm. does not mean freedom of consequence uh, yeah. and that's the one thing that a lot of people don't understand and that's that's one thing that I, I feel like needs to be understood is that yes you can say horrific racist things of course you can you have the freedom to but if you do you will be held accountable for it uh, and that is part of that you can say whatever you want but it doesn't mean that you're free of consequence from saying it at the end of the day we have to realize that these guys are all footballers they're all paid to do this exact same job regardless of of their skin color they're doing the exact same job if you want to say that he's a horrible footballer and he should never have taken that penalty that he's shit at penalties that's fine but as soon as you start bringing in you know you're shit because you're black or, you know, I don't like you because you're black. That's a completely different, different problem altogether. At the end mm. of the day, these guys are working. This is their job. Uh, and you know what? It's our job as, you know, like as journalists and as people who who watch this game and love this game. Yeah, to criticize these players when they, you know, if, if they don't play well or but you criticize them on the merit of their of their performance. You criticize them on the merit of, of their skill level or, or how they play, but not on the color of their skin. That doesn't matter. Um, and it, it should but never see, matter. And they should, when these guys are at work, they should feel safe, just like you and I have the right to go to work and feel safe. And and when these sort of but you see, sorry to cut cut in here. Um, this conversation, this back and forth that you two have just had, is just far more like it, it's just a, a few intellectual levels higher than what these racists are capable of. Yeah, exactly. Like no, yeah. no, nobody's going to disagree with you with what you're saying. So my my issue has always been it's like, okay, yeah, we can spew this, you know, kumbaya rhetoric and whatnot, we're all humans, but that doesn't fix the problem. That doesn't fix the these attitudes. You know, the the thing about walking off, I've never liked that. I've never liked it because it makes them win. It emboldens mm -hmm. emboldens them. And I get that you're trying to protect players and especially young players under twenty-threes, to have that trauma subject to them is is not fair on them. Um but at the same time, if you fight it, I mean, this has just been my experience. Every time you fight it, it crumbles very quickly. I, I do agree, but I, I just at to play devil's advocate there. Um, if you go and you pay money to see a to see something, so you go, you're paying money to watch this game, and now you are, you know, hurling racist abuse. You're, you know, you're you're singing racist songs. You're you're basically abusing these players. If these players get up and leave the pitch, it's not so much that they're that they're letting the racists win, but it's now that service or that that event that you've now paid to go and watch is no longer going to happen. 
You know what I mean? Like you're no longer going to be able to to watch. Yeah, that I don't game, think. Right? I, so, I honestly don't believe there is a. I don't think that offsets uh, the primary emotion of these these so-called supporters, where they're abusing players. Like they want to abuse players. They want to be there to to yell at them. And I guess the the argument is like you take away the object of hate, they have nothing left to hate. Yeah. But all that's doing is delaying the hate. It's inevitable. For You're when delaying they come the inevitable. Back out. Yeah. For when they come back out, when they come out to another game, when there's another, um, you know, whatever group that they're oppressing, there'll be another representation, a representative of that group in another game, and they'll go to that game and they'll get their fix there. So walking off just delays what's already happening, and it's a tricky issue because, like, here we can sit and we can talk about this and have a nuanced conversation. We can hope that hopefully somebody's listening, somebody who who perhaps knows somebody who is on the fence about this whole thing, who doesn't see what the big deal is, and they can introduce this perspective to somebody. Um, and we can hope that it changes like that. I think the, the biggest thing that we can do is just talk about it. I mean, just it just for me whenever we these conversation these topics bring up come up it makes me sad because i've been on the end of it and i know how hopeless it makes me feel and i've seen how this has been happening since the 70s the 80s like racism has been fighting racism has been happening much longer than we've been alive and still it's been very little progress because it still exists i'll only consider it progress until it's gone because, you know, I'm sure it's it's gone better for sure. And it might be privileging me to say that it hasn't gone better. Uh, but from where I'm sitting, I still get it. I still get racist abuse. So it hasn't really, you know, improved too much. But everyone's different. Everyone has their own perspectives. And I hope um, people who are watching, I hope you're all in agreement with us that this has no place in our game. These are human beings. Treat them with respect and dignity. Love thy neighbor. And you've all heard all the rest of it. Anything you guys want to add about this topic before we move on? No, I, I think you. I think you've said it all. I think we can also throw out the fact that Moises Keane went and signed for Everton, and the first thing they did was they said like, "We support you here. Like you are. Yeah. You're one of us. If you're here, you're yep. you're a toffee. You're not anything else." And the dude's like twenty or something. Exactly, and he was going through it in Italy again in Italy again in. He was one of their best players for like two months. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, it was like, yeah. Anyways, um, love everybody. Okay, love everybody you can. It doesn't matter where they're from. It only matters if they support United or not. Then you can hate them. Everybody love everybody. <laughs> Just not United. Just not United. Okay? <laughs> They're actually scum of the earth. Anyways, um, <laughs> let's. Uh, wow. And it's because of their shirt, of not the color of their skin. <laughs> Spe- speaking of hate crimes, um, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's finish up with a light and breezy topic. Another very very light and breezy topic for everybody to enjoy. VAR. It's, my, it's a thing now. It's my favorite thing now. It's 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 actually it's the Spurs okay, super so, sub. Yeah. So it's only been it's only been like two games and you know twenty odd matches and whatnot. Um, it hasn't really done anybody wrong yet. No, and I think that's... And it seems the, very smoothly implemented. That's what it's supposed to be, right? It's supposed to... It's not supposed to do anybody wrong. It's supposed to do everybody right. Um, and mm. so far, it's it's been a success. So I'm a big fan of VAR. I'm, I'd rather that they get the call right um, and, and just not have to worry about it. Um, I know some people think it's taking the human error out of the games, but real, realistically, that's what we want. 
um, if there was but that's the thing there there is a provision for that the clear and obvious error thing which they have refined like you remember the super cup where uh tammy abraham okay i'm just gonna say it he dived to get that penalty <laughs> yeah. there was no contact and ref called a penalty var was put into play var couldn't find a legitimate reason to overturn the uh, the penalty there was reasonable doubt so that's human error being allowed in that context yeah it, it realistically it's it's the way that they implement it um because obviously they're not going to check absolutely everything i thought they did that with the mls this year and uh it was too much they were looking at absolutely every call that happened every second they were going to var and we didn't like that we thought it slowed down the game a lot uh it seemed it seems to be implemented pretty well in the in the premier league so far so we'll see what happens perfect justin would they write to uh delay it a year I think so. I think it gave them a chance to kind of look at it, look at um, where it's being used in other parts of the world um, and sort of see where these other places are getting it wrong, uh, where it it is being more of a disservice than a service, <clears throat> MLS. <coughs> Sorry, not a tickle in my throat. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and I think that by delaying it a year, they were they were able to test it out. You know, with the FA Cup, they were able to test it out with the with Champions League. Um, the World Cup came in, and I think that now the Premier League is able to sort of be the um, the the leading force in VAR. And I'm hoping it's only been two two weeks, so it's you know it's early uh, early days still. But I'm hoping that because they did take that extra year to really look into it and and sort of implemented properly um, i'm hoping that the premier league can sort of be the um the shining star of var and show other leagues around the world you know how it should be used and how it should be implemented and like you said so far i think it's been used quite well and there hasn't really been any serious errors with it so far um you know i mean obviously there's there's always the opportunity because premier league referees are are not the best in the world um, but, uh, yeah, I'm really curious to see how it goes, but, you know, like Peter said, I'm all for them getting the call right. Uh, and so I'm, I'm okay with VAR being used, um, if there is a, uh, a, a questionable decision that's been made. Now, is it, are you just saying this because you can right now at this point in time? Because last season there were quite a few calls where, you know, people were saying if we had VAR, this wouldn't be a thing. No, because I mean, I you know we all support um, we all support an MLS team and where we've had VAR and and so I've I've been around VAR. It's not like it's this new thing to me, but um, I just I want to see it being used uh, appropriately, and I like the idea of VAR, uh, and I, I like what it what it it. Um, I like what it's there to do. It's it's there to take away the excuses from certain teams, right? It's there to sure. take away the, you know, oh my God, like we lost the game because there was a handball in the box and the, and they scored on it, right? It's to take away those kind of those kind of big errors that the referee makes. Look, the referee's human. There's one guy, 22 players on the pitch, um, and he has to sort of be able to see everything. And, and unfortunately he can't. And so I feel like having an extra pair of eyes to, to for, for big calls, you know, things like goals and, um, um, that that can you know be season defining mistakes. Um, it, it takes the pressure off of the referee um, from being for being possibly blamed for you know those kind of errors. So yeah, I, I am I am all for it, and I, I hope that the Premier League can continue to to implement it correctly. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, um, that's pretty much our podcast for this week, folks. Um, we're going to sign off by doing something completely stupid. Um, <laughs> Peter, your top four guesses. 
Uh, well, well, I have to say Spurs win the league. So, uh, one. <laughs> okay, all right, okay, I get, I get it. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to say City, Liverpool. Um, I really want to say Manchester United as the fourth. Okay, okay. Um, but like we were saying earlier, there's Chelsea, there's, uh, you know, the them who must not be named. There's uh, <laughs> Leicester, Wolves. West Ham, even there's there's a lot of okay. Give me give me four. Just give me four. I'm gonna say Spurs, City, Liverpool, Man United. Okay, Justin, I like it. All right, so um, this is gonna hurt me to say, but um, for my top four, I'm gonna say Liverpool's taking the league this year. Uh, no, Liverpool. Don't say City, it. <laughs> I got Liverpool, City, United, and Wolves rounding up the top four. With Spurs and Arsenal finishing up the the final two spots for top six. So my top four teams are going to be Liverpool, City, in in order. Um, I'm actually going to give the third spot to Spurs. I'm going to say fourth, Wolves. Bold. Bold prediction, like Shengiz Khan. Wolves. <laughs> because honestly, actually, you know what? No, let me give you a real top four. Hang on. <laughs> uh, to win the league, Liverpool, because that's just a certainty no matter how you look at it. Uh, second place, Burnley. Third place, Leicester City. The return of Brendan Rodgers, the best manager ever to have graced the league. And fourth, because Manchester United, because we all know Manchester United getting fourth is an impossibility due to Inori. <laughs> all right, and that is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys had fun. Hope you guys had a... Uh, well, you enjoyed what we had to say. Uh, some of it was serious. Some of it was loosey-goosey. Uh, we're going to try and toe that line. We definitely want to be more serious. We want to be more analytical. We definitely want to be respecting your time, as ever. Uh, but also, these uh, these topics uh, weigh heavy on us when the world is already heavy enough. So this is football. This is the Premier League. This is the MLS. This is the Canadian Premier League. I hope you enjoyed our return. We're certainly happy to be back. For Peter Robinson, this has been Justin Barrow. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I am so happy to be back doing this. I have goosebumps. For Chinggis Khan, this going. has been <laughs> for Chinggis Khan. This has been Peter Robinson. Uh, don't be racist, you assholes. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. And for Peter Robinson, I've been your host, Chinggis Khan, <laughs> signing off with the fact that did you know that uh, it's been so long. The reason Ma- I know. Did you know? that the reasons mountains get so big is because they have no natural predators. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> Where's the lie? Tell me, I'll wait. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time. <laughs>